भद्रम कर्णे शृणुयाम देवा भद्रम पश्येमाक्षभीजत्रा स्थिरंगुष्टवागुंसस्तनू व्यशेम देवित यदायु स्वस्ति न इंद्रो वृद्धश्रवा स्वस्ति न पूषा विश्ववेदा स्वस्ति नस्ताक्ष्यो अरिष्टनेमी स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओ शाशाशाति first verse of chapter 3 advaita prakarana the chapter on non duality upasana shrito dharmo please repeat upasana shrito dharmo jate brahmani vartate jate brahmani vartate pragutpatte rajam sarvam प्रागुत्पत्तेरज तेनासौ कृपणस्मृत तेनासौ कृपणस्मृत सो द स्पिरिचुअल सीकर हु परफॉर्म्स डिवोशनल एक्सरसाइजेस डज समथिंग एज प्रेज वर्ड दी एज एज वर्शिपिंग गॉड subsists in the conditioned brahman or the created brahman or the projected brahman all this was but the birthless brahman before creation that's what this person thinks and such a person hence such a person is considered pitiable or narrow or limited kripana harsh words indeed for somebody who is religious devoted why what's going on here let's see i'm just uh, uh, giving you the background to this chapter what we did last time very quickly summarizing this is the world view which we have already learned so i'll quickly go through it but by now i think we are in the third chapter so everybody should should have it down pat you know the um, knowledge of the self leads to liberation the self has four aspects uh, three aspects are known to us waking dreaming deep sleep and the fourth one the thuriyam is the reality that the upanishad talks about so this is the basic world view what are the four aspects of the self first waker and the waking world or the waker's world second the dreamer a dreamer i mean the dreamer which we are used to not not the political uh, discourse which is going on now the dreamers uh, so not that kind dreamer means we when we dream and the dream world third deep sleeper the the the, the potential world or merged world or the deep sleep darkness so this is the um this is the idea of self means atman first aspect second aspect third aspect when the upanishad talks about the fourth aspect turiyam 
Turiyam also literally means fourth. This is Brahman, the ultimate reality, Brahman. Pure consciousness, pure bliss, pure, pure being, the fourth aspect. One, two, three and four. And we have read that this is our reality which appears as these. Now notice certain factors about these three. These three are known to us. This is what we experience our life as. We experience our life as waking just now. I am awake and you are experiencing this world. Advaita Vedanta always related to your experience. That's the beauty and power of Advaita Vedanta. It's talking about your experience right now. So you are the waker and your waking world. And we as the dreamer and our dreams. And in deep sleep, the blankness. Why do I call it the potential world? Because you remember, all of this again comes back. It's not erased or nothingness in deep sleep. It comes back again. So it's there in a seed form. And notice, notice um, three features of, of all of these. All of them, they share three features in common. One is cause and effect. It's a causal universe. This potential state, this is called the causal state. This is called the subtle <coughs> causal Subtle, do you remember? Gross, gross or physical. Which genius is that? Just see. So cause and effect. One thing creates the other. In this world, the, um, the cosmic creator, God has created this physical world, the subtle world and the physical world. Remember, in this paradigm, there are, there are, there is the individual and the total. You are the individual and here is the total. So, not only are you the consciousness associated with one body and mind, but we also conceive of a consciousness associated with all bodies and minds, which is God. The individual is you and there is God who is, uh, who is, the, who is the consciousness behind the entire universe. Omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. And God also... We can talk about it three levels. The causal level, the really what is called God in religion is the causal level. In Sanskrit, Ishwara with Maya. At the subtle level, what we call the cosmic mind. And at the physical, at the gross level, the, the vast universe, Virat, the, the cosmic person. So that is the creator of this entire universe. Cause and effect relationship is there. Even in our, in our little... Uh, little um, um, individual level. Our deep sleep is like the causal material from which emerges the subtle material of our dreams and the gross material of our worldly experience. I'm using words very carefully. Uh, because if I say from your deep sleep blankness emerges a universe, you might say that's too much to believe, too much to swallow. But I'm saying all your experiences the experience of this physical universe and the experience of the dream universe and the blankness in deep sleep, they are connected somehow. It's the same thing. In the deep sleep, it is not expressed. In the subtle, in the dream state, it is partially expressed. And in this physical state, it's most manifest. But it's the same thing. It has a cause-effect relationship. Same thing is manifested in this way, like clay into pots. Imagine the deep sleep to be like a lump of clay. And your dreams and your waking to be a, 
dream may be just a plan, the blueprint of a pot or an unbaked pot and the physical universe like the baked pot. So like that. So there is causality there, cause and effect. Causality. Another feature of this, these three is change. Physical universe, uh, we are subject to birth and death and growth and decay and aging, um, the creation and destruction, all of this happens, change happens in these three levels, right? Even the levels keep changing from deep sleep to a dream to waking and to back again. So the change keeps happening. These are all, all of our experience is subject to change. Our physical bodies are subject to change. Our thoughts are subject to change. Our personalities are subject to change. The universe is continuously changing. So these three are the domain of change. Another feature for these three is that you have duality here. Subject-object duality is always present here. Waker in the waker's world, dreamer in the dream world, even deep sleep. It may not be an expressed duality. I am experiencing deep sleep. We don't have such an experience. But it's definitely the seed of duality is there because we come back from that deep sleep into this dual experience. These three taken together, causality, change and duality, taken together is what is called samsara. This is a philosophical way of expressing samsara. And this is the realm of samsara. And the result of this samsara is suffering, is dukkha. Suffering. From cause I came to effect. Perfect God to an imperfect universe. Cause to effect. Samsara. Causality. Karma. Karma is causality. Um, causality is law. Of, in fact, one of the prime features of causality is the law of karma. So we are trapped in the law of karma. All our present experiences are due to the accumulated effects of our past karma. We are sort of trapped in there. You might say, no, we also have the freedom to create our future. By the law of karma, what we do now, it generates our future experiences, good and bad. Yes, but that also leads to anxiety, responsibility. What I will do now, if, it, if it, the weight is upon me, um, I have not done a very good job till now. So I don't see, my track record is not particularly good. So I don't see myself doing brilliantly in the future also. So heavy weight of responsibility. As Vivekananda says, good, good, bad, bad, and none escape the law. But whosoever wears the form, wears the chain too. What is the chain? The chain of causality. We call it karma. In fact, many dualistic philosophies, the bhakti schools, they say the nature of bondage is karma, and by the grace of God, you come out of karma. So karma, causality, leads to samsara. Change is the very nature of samsara. Buddha, Buddhism is very big on this. Anityam, anityam, sarvam, anityam. Everything is dukkha, suffering. Why? Because anityam, anityam, sarvam, anityam. Anityam means impermanent, impermanent, all is impermanent. And so change leads to samsara, you see. Change is also samsara. Duality is samsara. In Upanishads it is said, Dityadvai bhayam bhavati. When there is an other, samsara starts. 
you relate to it in fear, in hope, in expectancy or in indifference. Relationship develops when there is duality and samsara starts for you. So all of this, in fact he says that fear, dityadvai uh, bhayam bhavati, fear and anxiety is due to the presence of the other. In fact the worst of nightmares when you wake up from it, you dismiss it as, oh, it was just a dream. Why? Because all those terrible things never happened. All those monsters you saw never were there. They were nothing other than your own mind. Since they are not different from you, you're not afraid of it anymore. So a second, a second always, duality leads to samsara. Causality, change, duality leads to samsara. Okay? And samsara leads to misery, unhappiness, suffering. The word used here is Kripana. Kripana literally means a miser. It means the unfortunate one, the suffering one, the, the samsari, the one who is suffering in samsara. So this is the summary of what, we, what I just said now is how the Mandukya Upanishad looks at our life. You, your life is waking, dreaming, deep sleep. These are the features of your life. This is called samsara, samsara. Therefore, you are a samsari. What's the problem? The problem is kripanaha. Suffering, unhappiness, unfulfillment. And there is, seems to be no end to it. There seems to be no uh, possibility of anything better than this. It will just go a little better, a little, little worse. Do a lot of good karma. Uh, if the blessings of God, God are upon you, things will go well for you. The stock market will rise, health will be alright, children will be nice and things not, don't go well for you, everything comes crashing down. So, Kripanaha, the, the small one, the limited one, the unfortunate one, the suffering one, this is the picture. Where first three aspects of the self in, and the fourth one, Turiyam, pure consciousness, the one in which all of these are appearing, what did the Upanishad say? This is real. These are the appearances. Notice the difference between this and those. That is within causality. This is non-causal. It is, it is neither a cause nor an effect. See, these are, these are effects. This is a gross effect, this is a subtle effect, and this is the cause. In the first three, first three aspects. And going fast, know, knowing that you are all well-versed Mandukya, uh, you know, uh, well-versed in the Mandukya Upanishad. So I'm moving fast. We have gone through this many times over the last one year. This is the causal level. These are the effect levels. This one is neither cause nor effect. God is the cause of the universe. That's why in uh, theistic religions, God is called creator. We are called, cre uh, uh, we are called the created creatures, created. And God is the uh, creator. Or God is the cause and the world is the effect. That's how it is thought of in, in uh, dualistic religions. Or those who do not believe in God at all. Non-theistic, scientific approach. So there is a big bang which is the cause and the effect is all that we see around us. There was a bang and here is the mess. So, so this is the story of the universe in one sentence. But Turiyam is non-causal. It did not become this. This deep sleep state becomes the waking, becomes the dreaming. But Turiyam does not become these. Turiyam only appears as these ones. Turiyam remains the Turiyam. 
then non-causal. Another thing is it is non-changing, unchanging. Third one is it is non-dual, advaitam, non-dual, non-dual. Thuriam is non-dual, why? Because from the point of view of Thuriam, these 1, 2, 3 are appearances. It's not that there are 1, 2, 3 and 4. Remember, how can you say that there is, it's non-dual, not 2, when you are already counting 4? What is the answer? 1, 2, 3 are not to be counted with the 4. No more than you would count 3 cookies you ate in a dream and 1 cookie in the waking state. Would you count 4 cookies? No. The 4th which you ate in the waking is the only one which you will count and the other 3 are not to be counted. Um, so, or the wave and the water example which I gave, thousands of waves. But if you look at it as water, one reality. Why? Why not one water and thousands of waves? No, because those thousands of waves do not exist without the water. It is the water alone which is those thousands of waves. So similarly, or in your dream, hundreds of people, thousands of people whom you are meeting, talking, when you wake up, one person, the person on the bed who just woke up. So those thousands are not in addition to you. They are you. And you did not become those thousands of people. They appeared in your mind. Similarly, the waking, dreaming and deep sleep, they appear in Turiya. They are Mithya. This is Satyam, real. So it is non-dual. Because it is non-causal, unchanging and non-dual, it is not samsara, it is asamsari, it is called moksha. Moksha, this is freedom, that is bondage. Samsara, moksha. Because it is moksha, it is not kripana, akarpanyam. It is, it is not limited, it is not the unfortunate, miserable, limited. It is the infinite, akarpanyam. Sanskrit akarpanyam. Kripana means the limited. Literally in Indian languages, Kripana means the miser, the small one. So we are the small one when we are samsari. So when are we samsari? When we are in samsara. I'm working backwards now. What is samsara? Causality, change, and duality. Where do you find it? In waking, dreaming, and deep sleep. Waking and dreaming are uh, the, the effect condition. And uh, deep sleep is the causal condition. Cause and effect is here. Obviously change is here. And duality, subject-object duality and all kinds of duality are here. God and individual duality. The difference between you and others, the difference between you and God, the difference between self, subject and object, between self and the other. These are all duality. This is here in the first three. And in contrast to that, Turiyam, the fourth, the real self, is non-causal. It's neither a cause nor an effect. It is not changing, unchanging. It is not dual. It is non-dual, Advaitam. This is the background. This is the summary. On the basis of this, now Gaudapada says in the opening uh, verse of the third chapter. Third chapter is the chapter on non-duality. So, non-duality here he means he's going to talk about Turiyam here. What was the second chapter about? About the falsity of the world. That means these three are false. They are appearances. 
Here it is going to talk about the non-duality of the self. Now, on the basis of this background, Gaudapada says that um, in this world, remaining in this world, Jate Brahmani, in the projected or manifested or created Brahman. What is the created Brahman? Waking and dreaming. This physical world and this gross world and subtle world, this one which we are, this is the projected, created. In Sanskrit it is called Srishti. Remaining in this and thinking of oneself as a small Kripana, as a small one and worshipping God who is separate from you and hoping Pragutpatte Rajam Sarvam before this was created in the causal state all was one with God and all was well. God is in his heaven and all is well. It was a heavenly state. It was the uncreated state. Everybody, all were, we were all one in God. Potential state. And one day it will all be like that. Not only that, by my worship, by my devotion, by my belief, by my surrender, uh, I will attain to that, um, to that merger with God. I will become one with the cause. And then it will be alright. Samsara will be at an end. I'll be one with God. Remember, this is not what he's suggest what he's recommending. This is this is what he's criticizing. This is the belief of the dualist. This is the belief of the theist who, who does not understand non-duality. And this Gaurapada criticizes harshly. This is the very nature of the Kripana, the one who is in samsara. If you go back to the seed state, you'll sprout again. If you go back to the causal level, the effect will come again. You're still trapped there because you're still thinking of yourself as a separate little individual. Kripana Smita, such a person is called the small one, the unfulfilled one. Imagine, in this level, the best that can be said is to become a devotee and worship God. That's the best state in dualism, in, in duality. That best state itself, Gaudapada is criticizing here. So, should we not believe in God? It's much worse becoming. See, a theistic dualist is what he's criticizing here. An atheistic dualistic is even, dualist is even worse. At least a theistic dualist is in touch with God in some way, has got some kind of belief. Though it may be a lower kind. What Gaudapada is not denying here is this kind of approach of worshipping God, loving God, surrendering to God can be a step. In non-dualism can be a step towards non-dualistic realization. As a step it is alright. As a goal and the final conviction it is a miserable thing. You say it's a very harsh word to say. Let us say it. I have seen any number of dualists, any number of uh, theists being quite fanatical about their narrow and little views. So let's be a little straightforward about, about the truth. So, um, this is the background. Now, what I just said, let me say again, but quickly in Sanskrit. Let me use the Sanskrit words. What are the Sanskrit words? Atma has four padas. Chatushpad Atma. Exactly the same thing. Now, I am saying in Sanskrit. See if you, those who cannot, those who don't know the terms, see if you can follow. And you should be able to follow. We have heard these terms again and again. Atma has four padas, four aspects. Each pada, see, one is the sthula, which has, this is called the jagrat, where you have the waker, what is the Sanskrit? Give me, vishwa, 
एंड द जागृत प्रपंच द वेकर्स वर्ल्ड द सेकेंड वन इज द सूक्ष्म सटल गिव मी द नेम ऑफ सेल्फ तेजस एंड द सूक्ष्म प्रपंच जागृत प्रपंच सूक्ष्म और स्वप्न प्रपंच द ड्रीम वर्ल्ड एंड देन the deep sleeper what is the name of the self in deep sleep pragya pragya and this is called karana prapancha or susupta prapancha sausupta prapancha or karana prapancha these are the three padatraya of, of the they are all under causality karya karana karya karana is causality this third third aspect is karana causal is the causal state and the second and first aspects are karyam effect i'll repeat the third one is causal karana ishvara is karana and sthula and sukshma prapancha are karyam effect and um, they are all subject to change savikara savikara they are all subject to change continuous change is there savikara means subject to modification change birth death growth aging decay change creation destruction change and they are all subject to duality dvaitam because these first three are karya karana um savikara and dvaitam they are called the first three are called samsara yesterday there was somebody i i hope she's not here i got i got thoroughly scolded for having this class at 4 o'clock said 4 o'clock who who does that what are you thinking 4 o'clock because uh, people have jobs they can't come so i said yeah we'll consider shifting it to 7:30 but not now not in winter let's see in in summer if of course those who are already coming you get the first vote whether it should be shifted to 7:30 but she said what were you thinking 4 o'clock <laughs> uh that's true um and people who are coming here so don't worry i won't change it without consulting you so you get last year we took a vote and everybody majority voted for keeping it at 4 so karya karana savikara dvaita these three are samsara and those who are in this who consider themselves to be within this are called samsari and the result of samsara is karpanyam kripana in contrast to this i'm just repeating what i said in sanskrit in contrast to this turiyam chaturthapada the fourth aspect our real nature is karya karana vilakshana separate from cause separate from effect is neither cause nor effect karya karana vilakshana atma is nirvikara without any change beyond change is advaitam non dual karya karana vilakshana nirvikara advaitam therefore turiyam is moksha freedom because it is moksha it is akarpanyam it is free of limitation it is the infinite it is the vast it is freedom itself it is the goal of humanity it is the goal of of our lives goal means we are that to realize it Swami Vivekananda I saw it very beautifully. Uh he writes in a letter I pray that all should be free all should be free I pray for everybody I should pray 
you see this very thing how he puts it i pray that we that all should not be led hither and thither by the effects of accumulated karma this one this is literally kripana that they should not be whirled around like this i pray that we should all be free that is know that we are free i can repeat it endlessly he says i pray that we should all be free that is know that we are free we are already free we are already this turiyam akarpanyam that is why he criticizes somebody who insists on being a waker one individual among billions of individuals that's my final identity not an appearance this is the truth and there is a god whom i shall take refuge in and that god will rescue me from this i will one day merge with that god become one with that god pragutpatte rajam sarvam things will be all right if you become one with the cause if you fall asleep you will wake up if you become one with the cause the effect will come if you merge with the seed it will sprout one day it will be back again all right now let us go ahead verse number 2 onwards so this is the state he has first number 1 he has criticized conventional religion what does he suggest in um, lieu of that what is his suggestion then what is godapada's point of view then with the way he puts the first verse the way he puts it most people in most religions of the world most religious people would identify with that that's what we think about i believe in god i surrender to god i worship god within the hope of heaven in the hope of not being consigned to hell exactly what godapada calls a kripana the miserable one in contrast to that what is godapada's idea of spirituality number 2 ato vakshamya karpanyam ato vakshamya karpanyam ajati samatam gatam ajati samatam gatam yatha na jayate kinchid जायते किंचित जायमानं समंततः जायमानं समंततः हेंस आई शैल स्पीक ऑफ दैट ब्राह्मण विच इज फ्री फ्रॉम लिमिटेशन हैज नो बर्थ एंड इज इन अ स्टेट ऑफ होमोजेनिटी एंड लिसन हाउ नथिंग वट्स एवर इज बॉर्न इन एनी वे दो इट सीम्स टू बी बॉर्न सो इट्स अ स्टेटमेंट of purpose what is he going to do in this chapter ato vakshami ato vakshami hence i i shall speak hence i shall speak hence we shall speak of the infinite hence whence because of this because of samsara i shall speak now of moksha because you are trapped in causality i shall speak of the non causal jate brahmani the causal brahman cause and effect ajati ajati here means non causal unborn not created because you are trapped in the in in changing uh, anityam the changing world the result of change is samsara dukha bhagavan buddha said anityam anityam sarvam anityam kshanikam kshanikam sarvam kshanikam shunyam shunyam sarvam shunyam atah dukham dukham sarvam dukham Tem- transient transient indeed everything is transient temporary temporary momentary momentary indeed everything is momentary 
empty, empty, all is empty, or void, void, all is the void. Hence, all is suffering, suffering, all is suffering. Suffering, all is suffering is samsara. And the one who suffers the samsari, the special term used is kripana. A special award given to you, title given to you is kripana. He says, hence we shall speak of the infinite. Because you are trapped in the causal, we shall speak of the non-causal. Because you are trapped in the changefulness, we will speak of the, that which is beyond change. Because you are trapped in duality, I am going to speak of the non-dual. You are trapped in samsara, I am going to speak about moksha. Akarpanyam, he says. He says here, vakshami akarpanyam. I shall speak of, because you are a kripanaha, we are going to speak about akarpanyam, beyond kripana. What a grand statement of purpose. Um, let us not speak of small things anymore. Because even God is a small thing for him. We are going to speak about something beyond in the individual and beyond man and God. Beyond heaven, earth and hell. We are going to speak about reality itself. Not about finite things. About infinity itself. We are going to speak. And when is this uh, thing going to happen? The uh, heaven is something in the future. It's going to happen in the future. This is now and forever. Heaven is a different place. That's also limited. Somewhere. It is not somewhere. It is everywhere or here. What are you talking about? Some other thing called God. Here we are not talking about some other thing called God. We are talking about you yourself. So not limited by Time, space and object. Desha kala vastu. Such a, such a self we are going to talk about. Akar pandyam, The unlimited. The not small. Also remember. Vakshyami. I shall speak of. Why speak of it? It needs to be spoken of. Samsara does not have to be taught. To become samsari. You don't have to at attend a class at 4 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. We, are, we automatically get the status of... of of a suffering samsari, that this kripanaha, this limited being, the unfortunate one, the suffering one, we automatically, we, we have earned it. Lifetime after lifetime of dedicated effort, we have earned it. So it has, doesn't have to be spoken about. But that which is unlimited, it has to be pointed out, it has to be spoken of. That which is our real self, not the apparent self, uh, that has to be spoken about. These three do not have to be spoken about. We know them. That has to be spoken about. We don't know it yet. Somebody asked, many times this question, question is asked, if I am that already, then why should I meditate? If I am that already, why should I study Vedanta or do any spiritual practice? Whatever. Any spiritual practice, meditation, Vedanta, why? The crucial um, phrase is, if I am that. Do you already know that you are that? If you really think that you are that, if you have realized that you are that, you are, very, you are convinced it's very clear to you and it has given its effect. You have become akarpanyam, gone beyond suffering. Then you need not meditate. You need not come to a class at 4 o'clock. <laughs> so that's true. But until we know that, we must study, we must try to find out, we must practice. And for that the teacher says, ato vakshami akarpanyam. Hence, we shall speak of the, the infinite, the non-limited. Okay, so far. Now, 
what is this infinite akarpanyam look at the words he uses ajati samatam gatam ajati means unborn the not born not born means which is not within causality not within causality this is born what is born the subtle universe is born the gross universe is born and the causal universe is not born but it gives rise to those so it's within birth and death it's within causality this is within causality ajati brahman another name for brahman is ajati he gives it he contrasts it with look in the first verse jate brahmani the projected brahman this is also brahman this is also brahman the snake is also the rope the the rope itself appears as the snake so this is also brahman but what brahman is this this is the projected the appearance the false this is called jata brahman the product brahman and this is the causal so we shall speak about the cause uh, uh, this is not the causal this is non causal neither cause nor effect this is the effect this is the effect this is the cause the cause effect effect gross effect subtle effect cause this is jata brahma and this is ajati we shall speak about the ajati non causal samatam gatam um it translates as homogeneous um homogeneous here means not subject to change not subject to birth not subject to death not subject to aging decay not subject to becoming causal subtle or gross <coughs> samatam gatam nirvikaram in sanskrit not subject to any kind of vikar or change or modification that brahman i'm going to speak about then what about this what about our universe what about our lives it will continue as it is yathana jayate kinchit jayamanam samantata from where we will see from this point of view nothing whatsoever has happened though everything continues exactly as it is in your dream when you wake up you still remember if you, as long as you remember the dream you still remember what happened whom you met where it went where you went what good things and bad things happened who said what you may remember those things but also you have one additional knowledge what none of it it's a dream none of it happened na jayamanam none of it did none of it was caused none of it was born none of it was created jayamanam samantata yet samantata means from all sides yet it continues to appear from all sides i don't deny when i wake up from a dream i don't deny that i saw a dream i say it's a dream i saw it but it's a dream similarly he says from which point of view you will see all of it continues as it is and yet you know that nothing at all has happened it's a stillness a light in which the universe appears shines and disappears without having any effect upon it it's like the screen on which any number of movies comedies and tragedies can play without affecting the screen a little bit you can show a terrible inferno the screen is not going to get hot you can show a, 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 a great earthquake the screen is not going to get split you're going to show a great a deluge the screen is will not even get wet even with one drop of water similarly this is that reality which will not be affected by uh, all of these appearances the words he uses such that yatha such that jayamanam samantata all things seem to be born and existing and created and na jayate kinchit nothing is born or nothing comes into being only brahman remains 
thorium does not produce anything. Okay. So this is what we are going to speak about. Statement of purpose. That's the whole plan of the chapter. What he is going to show now. You see, if I can sum up. One philosopher put it so beautifully. What is the special message? Advaita Vedanta certainly. Gaudapada is teaching Advaita Vedanta, non-dual Vedanta. But what is the special message of Gaudapada? He put it this way. Four points. Non-duality, non-origination, non-touch, non-contradiction. Uh, In Sanskrit, Advaita, Ajati, Asparsha, uh, Avirodha. Ajat, uh, Advaita. This one we have already seen. The first chapter talked about it. Atma Advaitam. Atma Advaitam means the non-dual thurium. The fourth one with respect to which the first three are not three. They are not a second reality apart from the fourth one. Non-dual. So you are the non-dual consciousness. There is no second reality apart from you. That's the first truth which Agodapada speaks. And everything else flows from that. The second one he says is Ajati. Ajati means non-origination. If Atman, you are really non-dual, then what about the duality? What about duality? What about this world? It did not originate. If it really did originate, then you cannot be uh, non-dual. If there is a really a dualistic universe, if there is really a pluralistic universe, then you cannot be non-dual. If you are really non-dual, then the dualistic universe must be an appearance. Just what he said now. Ajayamanam. In open, uh, I think Purusha Shukta where? Ajayamanam Bahuda Ajayate. Without being born, it, it appears as many. So, non origination, the universe did not originate. No more than all your dream events were actual events. They did not. Yet you, you experienced them. That is called falsity of the universe. So, that is the second great truth. It follows from the first. If, there is, if the Atman is really non-dual, then the so-called duality must be an appearance. You can't deny that you are experiencing duality. Who can, who can deny it? Then the experience must be like a dream. That ultimately it's not uh, real or ultimately your non-dual nature has not been affected in the least. In simple words, it's alright. <laughs> Second, non-origination. Third one. Non-touch in Sanskrit, asparsha. In fact, whole of uh, this teaching of Gaudapada is called asparsha yoga. There's a term he has not yet used. He will use in the third chapter. Asparsha yoga. Asparsha means non-touch. If this world is an appearance in me, then what is its relation to me? What, do, what effect does it have upon me? <coughs> Nothing. Nothing. Can it harm you? No. Can it improve you? No. Can it do you good? No. Can it degrade you, make you sinful, impure? No. It can entertain you. <laughs> it can be fun. <laughs> yes. So it's, it's your, basically, it's your appearance. You are appearing as this world. Non-touch. Just as the water of the mirage does not touch the sand of the desert. Just as the movie does not touch the screen. The false snake does not make the rope poisonous. In the same way, these samsara, no matter how terrible, how sinful, how horrible, it has absolutely no effect on you, the non-dual self. Asparsha. These are very radical things. Just the opposite. 
Shankaracharya gives vivid descriptions of samsara, the, the kripana of samsadi. I am ruined, uh, my, my children are dead, uh, my relatives are lost, wealth is gone, death is approaching, alas, he says, alas, ha ha kar, alas, I am ruined, this is samsara. And Gaudapada says, not at all, not in the least. Nothing at all has happened to you, the Thuriyam. And the example, remember, can, is there any way of understanding this? Yes, your dreams, the worst of nightmares, what has it done to you? You're terrified, suffering from a disease and afraid of the medical procedure and suddenly you wake up. Nothing at all has happened. You your heart may still be beating fast, you still may be feeling uneasy, but actually nothing has happened. So a thing can be experienced and yet it may not be the reality if you, if you snap out of it into a higher level of reality. I lost track, what was he saying? And then the fourth one, so non-touch. This is called asparsha. Asparsha, so this is not untouchability. <laughs> That's a different thing. This is non-touch. The universe does not touch you. Non-touch, asparsha. And Gaudapada's teaching is called asparsha yoga. The yoga of non-touch doesn't mean, not that you'll go around not touching people. It means the universe does not touch the non-dual self. Asparsha yoga. Uh, Gaudapada will use that term a couple of times as it comes later on. And the third one is called, the third great point in Gaudapada's teaching is avirodha, non-contradiction. It does not contradict any religious doctrine, it does not contradict science, it does not contradict atheism, nothing. Or it makes space for everything. Which object does space contradict? You can have a brownstone here, you can have a mall here. The two are contradictory, you can't have both here. Right? You can have a brownstone, you can have a park there or, or a horrors, a, 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 a huge uh, uh, building complex there. Let's hope that will never come. You can't have both. But from the point of view of space, it rejects what? Nothing. Space accommodates everything. Similarly, this non-dual Atman, all views, it has no contradiction. Gaudapada will say, Dualistic views contradict each other. They fight among each other. Parasparam virudhyante. One says the ultimate reality is Shiva. The other says, no, 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 it is Vishnu. The other one will say it is Allah or Jehovah. No. Some say it's with form. Some say it is without form. Some say the form is, it has to be a male. Um, some say no. Um, in Hinduism, we will not say it, is, it has to be a divine, but they put it in a more subtle way. Yes, Rama and Krishna, they are all um, good. I mean, they are wonderful. We accept them. They are all waves in the ocean that is the Divine Mother. So immediately Rama and Krishna become little waves and the ocean is the mother. It's the mother who uh, appears in, in... So, some say the Great Mother is the ultimate reality. Some say all of this is imagination, atheism, Richard Dawkins. Foolish. All this is foolish. Forget it. It's fairy tales. Material science alone is the reality. Bill is not here today. He would have backed me up on this. Now, Gaudapada says, these views clash and contradict each other and they fight against each other. They do not contradict this. Why they do not contradict it is, he doesn't go into details. 
Shankaracharya explains, which is not a very good thing at all. Why does they don't contradict? Because the false does not contradict the real. You can't have, I'll come to you, you can't have a comedy or a tragedy and a tragedy playing at the same time. You can't. They are not the same movie, they contradict each other. But the screen has no contradiction with whatever movie you play with it, play on it. Rather, not only does it not contradict the movie, it enables the movie to be played and no movie can be played without the screen. Without this non-dual Brahman, you cannot have anything. Science or religion, theism, atheism, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, whatever. You can't have anything without this non-dual Brahman. That's all it wants to talk about. So, non-contradiction, avirodha. That is not a very... Uh, I mean, from the point of view of a theist, it's not an encouraging thing. It's just saying, you don't contradict me because you don't exist. That's why. <laughs> uh, Shankaracharya explains it this way. There is, uh, in his commentary... There is a man sitting on a, an elephant going through a narrow village street. Typical ancient Indian sign. Even now you can see sometimes. And a crazy guy stands on the, uh, on the pavement shouting, Let's have an elephant fight. Charge your elephant against mine. But there can be no elephant fight because that crazy guy doesn't have an elephant. Similarly, all the dualistic philosophies are like that crazy guy. <laughs> there is no, nothing to contradict. Because they don't exist. All that exists is this, this one. <coughs> you had a question. Yes. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Doesn't affect whom? The akarpanyam, the one, the turiyam. The moment you say I accumulate karma, where are you within causality? Where is this here? Certainly, it affects you. All that we said now, see, I, this is Mandukya class, so I will hold you to that standard. Your questions, I will throw it back, I will outsource it out, not to you, but to somebody else. So there will be, uh, people know the answers, all the answers are here. See, it's so clear here. So within this world of causality, within samsara, yes, it affects. Everything affects you. That's why we are unhappy. That's why we are kripanad, we are sad, we are miserable. We are trying to find a solution. Yes, somebody else had the hand up. Okay, now, so this is the project. This is what he has set, set up. This is what we are going to talk about. Now, let us start. What he's going to do here is, so the three terms, uh, the four terms, remember these four terms. I don't know, I forgot who wrote it. Very beautiful, I liked it. That Gaudapada, the great themes of Gaudapada, Advaitam, Ajati, Asparsha, and avirodha. In fact, the philosophy itself is called advaitavada, the philosophy of non-duality. But that's true for all teachers, Shankaracharya and all the advaita teachers. Gaudapada's philosophy especially is called ajativada, the second one, philosophy of non-origination. There are three levels. God created the world. God projected the world, like dreamt up the world. Or it did not happen at all. There's no world to speak about, so there's no question of creation or dreaming or anything like that. The third one is Gaudapada. Um, three levels of reality. Um, um, physical, uh, a, a transactional reality, which is called Vyavaharika. 
um, an appearance reality which is called Pratibhasika and the ultimate reality Paramarthika. Paramarthika, the absolute, Brahman. So this three level reality is the way Advaita Vedanta is normally taught. When you read Shankaracharya, you should always keep these three in mind. Transactional reality, Vavaharika, this is the world we are inhabiting, where we think we seem to have bodies and minds, we are studying Vedanta, we are suffering in samsara, we are trying to do spiritual practice, become enlightened. This is called transactional reality. Why do you have to have this? Because Advaita says you are free, you are the absolute right now. But that's not how we see ourselves at all. So to accommodate our view of the world, they put a, a, a temporary, a placeholder. What you think of the world, we Advaitins, we call it transactional reality. There's also another reality, which is an appearance nature. Dream, errors in our world, what we call dream center. We see it and we know it's wrong. For example, our dreams, we see it. And we say it's false. What would an Advaitin say? He would call it Pratibhasika, Pratibhasika, illusory level of reality. Snake rope, snake rope. So the rope is a transactional reality, which I can use in this world. I can use it to bundle up my clothes. But what the snake is an appearance. That is called Pratibhasika. And in contrast to these two is the ultimate reality, which Advaitin, Advaita talks about, which is Brahman. It calls it Pra, uh, Paramarthika, the absolute reality. So these are three levels. It's called three Sattavada, three levels of reality. This is the, this is actually the basic way in which non-duality is taught. For whom? For beginners. A little more advanced presentation is called Drishti Shrishti Vada, which is entire universe is an appearance. Two levels of reality. Paramarthika Pratibhasika. Paramarthika is Brahman, everything else is an appearance, like a dream. Your dream is a dream, your waking is also a dream. Dream and waking are collapsed into that. That is called Dvisattavada, two levels of reality. One is the ultimate reality which he talks about, Brahman, Atman, Turiyam, that's the reality. And the rest is like a dream. As you dismiss your dreams, you should dismiss your waking also. As you act in your dreams, you should act in your waking also. That's also there. But it's no more important. In the earlier one, the waking and the dream are clearly separated. The realm of fantasy and the realm of science are separate. But here, all are in the realm of fantasy. What, what, wait, let me finish this. So that is Dvisattavada, two stage. That is for advanced students. And for the most advanced students, by which I mean you, it is Gaurapada who talks about one level of reality, which is Paramarthika, only this. Then what about all this? Ajati, never happened, never will. Can you give it some level of provisional level of reality? No. Uncompromising. This is called Ajatavada. So that's the second thing Gaudapada talks about. So Gaudapada's philosophy is sometimes called Ajativada. That's seen as an extreme case of Advaita. The most radical non-dualists speak about it. Uh, Ayan Maharaj was here. Before making the transition to Vigyana Vedanta, he was a strict Ajatavadin, absolutely. <laughs> And he mentioned one thing, if you remember, he said, any thoroughgoing non-dualist will finally come to the Ajata position. Nothing ever has happened or ever will. It's all perfect, was and will be perfect. Even was, will be is time, time which is also an appearance. Okay. 
Ajatavada. The third one is uh, Asparsha Yoga, which is a very practical. It's also an implication of non-dualism, which uh, Gaudapada will speak about. Ranganathanandaji was, uh, was fond of quoting that verse, Asparsha Yoga Vainava. Uh, this teaching is called Asparsha Yoga, the yoga of non-touch. You are experiencing the entire universe completely unaffected by it, just as space is unaffected by it. And the fourth one, Avirodha. Non-dualism has no contradiction with anything. Okay. You have, do you still remember the question? You, you, did I answer it? Yeah, I answered your question, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, the teaching will start. You had a question, yes. In the context of uh, Thurium appearing as, as reality, um, can you expound on the doctrine of Ekajiva? Ekajiva, okay. Ekajiva Vada is, is related to the second method of presentation. The second method of presentation is Drishti Shishti Vada or Dvisatta Vada, where there are two levels of reality. The ultimate reality that you are Thurium and the level of dream. Everything is a dream. Waking is also a dream, dream is also a dream. There... But isn't it also say that it doesn't, it, it appears only when you observe? Yes. This is what appears when you observe. So the universe appears only to the observer, just like a dream. A dream is there only when you are dreaming it. In that way, the physical universe is there only when you are experiencing it. Otherwise, it's, it's, it, it only appears in your experience. It has no separate existence apart from your experience. The more basic form of Advaita, um, which talks about Vyavaharika, the distinction between transactional uh, reality and Pratibhasika, illusory reality, there uh, they make a distinction between the waking state and the dream state. The waking state, the rope and the snake are not equally false. The rope is more true than the snake. The waking is more true than the dream. What happened in your dream need not be counted. What happens in the waking has to be counted. Your science and politics and religion are all possible. Advaita, all is possible in the waking state. That's the basic way of teaching Advaita. This one is more advanced, what you're talking about. Where they say, they, they, they erase the difference between uh, Pratibhasika and Vyavaharika. Appearance and uh, transactional reality. Now consider this. Question, what you are asking, it comes like this. If all of this is appearing in your experience... Then what about us, all of us, you are too. the teacher, the co-students, other people in the world, they are all appearing in your, in your experience. Just like all the people in the dream appeared in your experience. They have no existence apart from the dreamer's mind. Similarly, all of us have no existence apart from you, from your consciousness. Right? But I would like you to exist. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, so, well, thank you. But... but Ekajivavada will say, you have no proof for a separate existence of other beings. Only, you have definite proof for your own existence. So you are the only one and yet you don't feel that you are enlightened. You still feel I am suffering, I am still in trouble. So you are a jiva, but you are the only jiva for which there is only, so there is only one jiva. Everybody else and everything else in the universe is part of that jiva's dream. <laughs> it's... A, and who is that jiva? We all exist in his dream, his or her dream. Who is that jiva? You are. Now what about you? No, we all exist in your dream. <laughs> so you treat yourself as that jiva and then you apply this to realize that, that you, that jiva, you are none other than Turiyam. You'll be free then. Done. <laughs>
that's the intermediate level of advaita that's called eka jiva vada one jiva alone if you see all this sounds crazy and yet even recently elon musk was speaking exactly about this he says our modern you know ideas of virtual realities so you can create a world and characters which are all uh, generated in a computer and you can experience them you can experience them in three dimensions even haptic haptic means touch if you can touch smell all those things can be generated by computers now and your own existence can be projected in a computer so the whole of reality can be projected in a, in a very sophisticated vr suppose and so there is a, there was actually a paper which actually elon musk was quoting when he said that it is a paper written by a philosopher um, earlier now suppose such vrs are possible virtual realities are possible suppose then imagine an alien civilization where children are playing with such vrs how many are there millions and billions of such vrs sophisticated vrs virtual realities if there are millions and billions of vrs now you consider this reality we are in we are standing in probability apply prob- probabilistic calculations is it probable that we are in the one single real universe or in one of the many millions of virtual universes probability probability virtual universe overwhelming probability is that we are we are living in a virtual universe some alien kid is playing xbox and we are here so not gaudapada elon musk 21st century and he is serious about it and he is not alone he says the, the logic is irrefutable so anyway so uh, that's what i'm saying so th- this not that this idea is uh, something strange and outmoded it is uh, more and more we develop our technologies the more it seems to be possible and why depend on vr we have our internal vr running all the time every night you experience a very vivid vr uh, virtual reality recreation all right let's go on um now what he will prove now is the akarpanyam your nature as turiyam see this teaching was given in the first chapter upanishad second chapter and third chapter are meant to prove two things the falsity of the world that these this what we take to be real is an appearance this was the the proposal was can we understand this can we prove it through logic and argument so that was done in the second chapter the second chapter called vaitatya prakaran hopefully you remember the chapter on unreality or appearance nature of the world through examples and through logic you remember what kind of reasoning and example the example was the dream example which was heavily used in the second chapter the nature of the world was examined another thing is the disturiam all right the world is an appearance but this thing you're talking about non causal unchanging non dual turiyam pure consciousness can this be demonstrated that we are this right now forever this great claim can you demonstrate it through argument just like you did for that that one jagat mithya the world is an appearance you demonstrated through argument brahma satyam jiva brahmeva napra brahman alone is real i am the absolute can you logically show me that's the subject the great theme of this chapter just as the earlier chapter used dreams as an example 
This chapter will use the example of sky, space. So let's see. That's a great example to be, which is going to be used throughout this chapter. So remember this. Just as again and again we referred to dreams in the earlier chapter, in this chapter we're going to refer to space. And what is the project here? To show that you are that non-dual self, that you are the absolute. No birth, no death for you, no imperfection for, for you, no samsara for you, no suffering for you. Right now, right here. Can you show this? Yes, he says we can. Third, he now in, he starts the teaching. Atma yakashavad jivair. Atma yakashavad jivair. Ghatakashairi voditaha. Ghatakashairi voditaha. Ghata divacha sanghatair. Ghata divacha sanghatair. Jata vetan nidarshanam. Jata vetan nidarshanam. Since the Atman is referred to as existing in the form of individual souls, in the same way as space exists in the form of spaces confined within jars, and since the Atman exists in the form of the composite things such as space exists as jars, etc., therefore in the matter of birth, this is the illustration. This is the example. Don't be confused. I'll, the whole chapter is an explanation of this. First, let's understand the example, then we'll understand what, he's, what the teaching is. What is the example? When we make jars, pots, immediately you feel that there is a space within the pot. That is called ghatakasha, pot space. And the space all around the vast space, that is called mahakasha, literally the great sky or the unlimited space or the total space. Uh, so let's call it the vast sky. Mahakasha, literally, maha means vast, akasha means sky or space. The great space or the vast sky. Now the vast sky seems to be split up into little spaces called pot spaces. You have 10 spots, pots and each pot encloses a space. So that space is called a pot space. Pot space 1, 2, 3, 4, they are all different from each other. And it seems we have created those spaces when the jar has been made. It encloses, it cuts off the vast space, the, the sky, into these limited spaces. But the fact is it's not true. It's not true. Space cannot be cut off by material objects. I've often given the example, say you have a flower vase with um, water in it. If I fill up the water in the, in the flower room and bring the vase here and put it here, uh, with the flowers and the water. When I move the vase, will the flowers and the water move with it? When I move the vase, will the flowers and the water move with it? Yes. Of course. Otherwise, it will make a bad mess. If you put so many things and you take the vase and put it there, it will all be splashed and wet. No, it will move. Glass of water, bring me a glass of water means the um, water will move along with the glass. But suppose you have an empty flower vase. And it has only space in it. Forget the air for the time being. There's only space in it. Now when I move the vase, take it from there and put it here. Did the space in it move with the glass, with the vase? No. No. The vase moved through space. Space did not move with the glass, with the vase. <coughs> Are you clear with this? The vase, the glass, the pot does not affect space. Space remains as it is. 
it is not enclosed in any sense within the within the pot. Now, if I put a lid on it, even if you put a lid on it, the space is not enclosed in it. Uh, can, can it escape? How will it escape if I put a lid on it? It is not enclosed to begin with. There is no question of escaping. When you move the pot along, it is moving through space. It, the space inside is not moving along with the pot. And the pot space, it only appears to be the space within the pot. It is not created when you create a pot. When, you, when the potter makes a pot, makes the pot, does not make the space. It always was there and nothing has been done to it. Manhattan is exactly as it was hundreds of years ago. No, it hasn't. Now there are so many uh, houses. What we call a house, this what we call this hall, it's a space. You never created the space, though it seems to be. We created halls, we created buildings, we cre created malls, we created parks. Not really. We created these structures which enclose the space and now we are calling that enclosed space a hall, a mall, a park. But the space was not created. Space was not even enclosed by us. It only seems to be. The illusion is very powerful. This is a hall, that's a room, that's a washroom, um, uh, that's a dining room. These are, uh, this is worship space, that is a uh, workspace, that is a uh, living space. No, it is one undivided space. It's only the structures that we have put up and we conventionally use them and we tend to associate holy space, a secular space. Actually, the space has absolutely, it is not affected by your holiness or your secular. It's, it's completely an illusion generated by the structures we have put up. Is this clear? Is the pot space created by the creation of the spot, of the pot? No. If I break the pot, Will the pot space now merge with the great sky? No. It's as if it was separated when the pot is broken, now it becomes one with the sky. No. Was it, was it always one with the sky? Is it true that it was one with the sky, now the poor thing, you have enclosed it in a pot? And once you break the pot and set it free, it will become one with the sky again? No. It was one with the sky, it is the sky. It seems to be enclosed. And once you break it, Again, it seems to be not enclosed. When it was not enclosed, when it is, uh, will not be enclosed, and when it seems to be enclosed, all the time, the space is completely, totally unaffected. So neither the space, pot space is created, nor is it destroyed. Point one, pot space is not created. Pot space is not destroyed. Third, depending on what you put on the, in the pot, you put Ganga, the holy water from the Ganga in the pot. So the space in the pot is pur purified, it becomes holy. Is it true? No. no. We use it all the time in religion. Scatter Ganga water here, the space has now become holy. It has an effect on our minds, no doubt. It may have an effect on the objects which, you, which we are using, a flower which is offered, this, the articles of worship, fine. But the space itself? Somebody stores um, medical supplies or medical specimen fluids from a body. Oh, it's dirty. The space has become dirty. Is it true? No. In a test tube, fluids from a patient's body are stored. Another uh, nearby pot, 
the doctor stores uh, some water from the Ganga. So here the space is holy, in that it is impure. The fluid, it might, you might consider this fluid to be holy and that one to be impure. But the space, not affected. Not affected. So by the defects of the material stored in space, I will use all of this, remember these things. By the defects of the material stored in that space, the space is not affected. Alright. One part is like this. One part is like this. One part is big. One part, the part is tiny. So can we say, here is a round space. Here is a narrow space. Here is a square, a cube, cubical space. We talk about it in architecture. Space is like this. But really, is the space narrow, round, cubical or, uh, or anything? No. Not at all. If, are you with me or not? If you, the example is not clear, then um, the, yeah. I am so sorry, but uh, scientifically, if you put a lid on top of the pot and you move it, hmm. the same molecules of air that were in the pot, hmm. when you put the lid on it, have been moved also. Yes. So can you explain this? If you put water in it and move it, water will be moved. If you put a lid on it and move it, the air inside, air means the molecules, will be moved. Yeah. Correct. But what did I say all along? Am I talking about the air or am I talking about space? Oh, I see. Air. Right, right. Air, air is another fluid. Of course it can be moved. That's how astronauts take oxygen to space. They put it in a compressed oxygen cylinders and take it out to space. So the air goes with it. But space does not travel when you, the, the cylinder is transported through space. Space itself does not move with that. Is that true or not? Actually, I have met people who have had trouble with that concept. <laughs> one person really quarreled with me. I said, no, let me I have to think about this. At least some of it will move. <laughs> yes. Tony, how does one reconcile that with the Big Bang Theory, where the universe is expanding, was created in the instant, there was nothing, there was no space. Yeah, yeah, I know. There was space. Yeah. So that space is expanding. Right. Uh, we, we, will not, we will not reconcile it with that because after all you will say space will, not only that, even now, space is, uh, is affected by the presence of massive objects. That's what uh, relativity says. So remember, Gaurapada here is not talking about space as such. He is using it as an example. So use our common sense experience of space as an example to prove something else. What he is going to talk, prove or demonstrate something else. So don't talk about relativistic space or Einsteinian space. That is affected by gravity, for example. Yeah. So we are not going into that. We are just taking a common sense idea of how we experience space as an example. So space is not um, round or cube or anything. The containers are round or cube. Or uh. One more point I want to make um, is this. How is the part space related to the vast, the sky? Is it the child of the sky? Is it a part of the sky? It is the sky. It's not even a part. No, this much and that. In a space you might think that, but in pure consciousness you cannot even think of parts. So it's not even a part. It's, unlim un it's one unit thing. You can't divide it really. Because if you can divide it, then you can talk of parts of space. But it really it's not parts. 
we divide it, then we design a coordinate system and then we do mathematics on it, but really you have not done anything to space. If you could, imagine, if you could really physically divide space into parts, you could move it around. You could take out this part and put it there, put, take another part, put it here. No, you can't do that. You are not physically doing anything. This is a little difficult because all of mathematics, the coordinate system, it seems to be talking about parts of space, locations in space, but that's something that we have put on, the, um, on it for our own use. You say, no, left, right. What left and right? My left and right are your right and left. What up and down? What east, west, north, south? Where is east, west, north, south on the sun? Uh, yes. Uh, you are saying that we are using uh, the, our common sense concept of space. Uh, I was thinking whether there will be need of finding out what is the Vedantic and especially Gaudapada's concept of space, not the common sense. That will be good for the example. Right. What he really means by space. Right. Very abstract term. We are using abstract term for. Uh, it is true, but you can take the Upanishadic idea of space. Space is the first evolute. Tasmad vaitasmad atmana akasha akasha sambhutaha. Akasha was the first evolute of uh, the absolute through Maya. So this, what we are experiencing, it is called Mahakasha. There is a very sophisticated concept of space in Indian philosophy. If you are interested, there is a very nice article by K. Ram Subramaniam, who is a professor of uh, physics in IIT Mumbai and professor of uh, Indian philosophy also. He studied Advaita Vedanta in Shring under Sringeri Shankaracharya. Now he and another French scientist, they have written a paper, Concept of Akasha in Indian philosophy. It's available on the net. He had sent a copy to me once. It's very interesting. He compares the ancient Nyaya concept of space with modern physics concept of uh, space and so on. But apart from that, my point is, I'll come to you. So the last point I want to make is the pot space has no relation at all with the sky. It is the sky. It's one. There's no division, no relation. It's not a child of the sky. It's not a product of the sky. It's not a part of the sky. I have said what I wanted to about the example. Now I'll apply it to Atma. Before that, there's a question. So the Jiva is the part space? Ah, I'm coming to that, yes. And the, and the uh, Akash is the Brahman? Brahman, yes. So where, what's the part? Uh, I'll come to that. I'll come to that. What's the part? It's in Vedanta, it's called Upadhi, body-mind. Okay. Now let's see. Um, let's now apply this. What have I said? Part space is not born when you create a part. It only seems to be enclosed, but actually it's the same as the sky. Similarly, with the presence of the body-mind complex, like the part, the presence of this body-mind complex, the infinite consciousness seems to be become a jiva. Jiva is created. Jiva is created, not created. That infinite consciousness, Turiyam, remains as Turiyam. Even when body-mind is there, even when it seems. How powerful is the illusion of a pot space? How powerful? It seems to be there. It seems to be round. It's exactly that one. It was not there earlier. See, this, all these rooms, we charge millions of dollars. Did you create this space? No. Then why are you selling this apartment for a million dollars? Are you selling the walls? 
you take the walls elsewhere will it go no it has to be this space in uh, upper west manhattan then it's a million dollars but this, does this space belong to you did you create it no you enclosed it and it generates such an illusion name form and it's useful you can live in it you can work in it you can sell your goods in it it can be a shopping mall it can be a cinema theater it can be a park so nama rupa vyavahara is there this is maya and so the jiva comes into being it functions it does everything lives a life samsara struggles and things have been born i am growing older i have to make my mark in the world i am educated i have to get a job i have to earn money i have to find happiness i have to do crossfit and i have to come to class at 4 o'clock on wednesday afternoon so it does all of that and yet gorupada insists nothing has happened at all to you the pure consciousness it's only the presence of body and mind which makes you think you are the jiva just as the sky thinks i am a little pot space the pot is my body and i am the space within no jiva is not born this is the great doctrine of non origination ajati turiya is not born as jiva first point second point when the it will all come now he will show one by one when the pot breaks does the space die pot space die or pot space becomes one with the great sky no it always was the same so jiva does not become one with god or brahman or something it was one with god before creation of the universe after the destruction of the universe will become one with god i have heard um, uh, you know senior practitioners say this wrong conception of advaita when the body dies you are exactly the turiyam is exactly the same you are that vast consciousness you are still the same no after enlightenment now we are separate from god after enlightenment slowly become one with god merge with god when the pot becomes thinner and thinner and thinner the space becomes more and more no you are exactly the same destruction of the pot does not mean the sky becomes the pot space becomes one with the sky death does not mean that you become united with brahman uh, enlightenment does not mean that you become united with brahman deep sleep does not mean you become united with brahman samadhi does not mean you become united with brahman to become united with brahman you don't have to go to heaven no you are brahman how can you become united with brahman so that's such a great con- conclusion third even greater just follow this this example is stunning what he is saying here pot space dirty when you store uh, in a test tube uh, you are storing the samples from uh, a patient's body uh, urine and feces and they, oh it's so dirty space has become so dirty impure the pot may have become impure the test tube may have become impure maybe the substance is impure is space impure no similarly he uh, says in a pot then there might be smoke another pot there might be dust the space space rajo dhuma divi you will say it's not affected by smoke and dust space is not affected i have given the example of how we have seen when in our main monastery old monks when they pass away we have the permission to cremate them in the monastery itself from the municipality i have seen how the wood burns element of fire uh, uh, element of earth it burns into ashes the water in the body body is contain a lot of water i have seen water jetting out and then vaporizing so the water vaporizes 
the fire, the heat element becomes one with the fire. The air around it becomes hot. You can't go near it when the body is burning. The, five, the, the four elements, you can clearly see that they are affected by the fire. But space itself, you know it's hot. Air is hot. Space is not hot. You have a gust of cold wind, you will see that the, the hot air goes away, the space is exactly the same. But space doesn't exist either. Well, it doesn't. There is nothing. There is nothing in the fourth state. There is not space. There is not me. There is not white. There is not orange. There is not light. There is not a cloud. There is nothing. You constantly say nothing. There is the space here. Space? Well, yes, here, yes. Yeah, so we are using space as an example. But not in... Okay. The, the fourth is consciousness. We are not saying that there is space there. No, you are right. There is no space there. But space we are using as an example to understand this. We are not saying that there is space there. When you say the world is like a snake and the Brahman is like a rope, we don't mean that there is a rope in Brahman and the world is a big snake. Really? It's an example. That's right. Yeah. I, I don't uh, right. No, no. There's more like a trick than the other. Clear, clearly, clearly, that, clearly there's no space in... The, uh, okay. Because space is, is a product of Maya also. So it's within uh, Maya. It's an example. So just as the space in the pot is not affected by what you keep in the pot, is not made impure. Similarly, consciousness is not made impure by body-mind complex. Oh, I'm, I've become so obese. 200 pounds. Is consciousness 200 pounds? No. It becomes skinny. It's 80 pounds. Is, con is consciousness 80 pounds? No. I, am, I feel uh, man, woman, gender. Has consciousness any gender? No. It belongs to the pot, the body. Hunger and thirst, health and illness belongs to prana, not to consciousness. Impure thoughts. I am I'm troubled by bad thoughts, impure thoughts, depression. You, can, you cannot see how, you, you, if you are a mental health worker, you will know how obsessive thoughts torture a person. Torture a person. Absolutely no effect on that witness consciousness. And it can be demonstrated. That person himself or herself will see. Even when those obsessive thoughts are going on, it has no effect really. It can be pointed out actually. So, not affected, papa punya, by sin, by good works, by bad works. So that's why this is very dangerous uh, <laughs> doctrine. Don't misunderstand, don't handle carefully. Handle carefully at your own risk. So I can do anything? Yes, you can do anything. You'll also get the result of that thing. When you do, you are within this. Causality will be there, karma will be there. Sri Ramakrishna said, somebody said, you know, the person is suffering. Is Brahman then how is suffering? He said in Bengali, Lanka khele jhal If you eat chilies, won't, it, won't your tongue burn? In the realm of causality, it will work. But consciousness itself is unaffected by it. You, the Thuriyam, you are absolutely unaffected by this world, by the impurities of this world. You are not degraded by this world, by the body-mind. Whatever happens in this body and mind, the worst of bodies and minds, worst of actions done in this world, has not the slightest effect. It is all right. Always was, always will be. You as pure consciousness, you're perfectly all right. Nothing can touch you.
you are immortal and ever pure. So that is the third conclusion. Just as this pot space is not affected by what is contained in the pot. Is not purified also. The greatest of sadhanas, yogic practices and great deeds done in the world. So I have become a better person? Person maybe. But that, that witness consciousness? How can you improve the which is already perfect? What improvement can there be there for that? So that is always there. One more. Um, features. This pure consciousness is like, the, is like the vast sky. It has no separating features. Each pot is different. Tall pot, fat pot, small pot, big pot. But the space inside, is it tall, fat, small, big? No. One uniform space. Similarly, whether it is a man or a woman or American or Indian or Chinese, whether it is a human being or an animal or a plant or a non-living entity, consciousness is one and the same everywhere. Has no distinguishing features. Has no separating features to set off one against the other. We are one and the same in all beings, in all things, at all times. That one uniform consciousness, he used such a beautiful word, uh, word Samatam Gatam, unchanging uniform consciousness. That is just like the sky, no matter what the pot is. Then the last one, the pot space has no relation at all with the sky. This we will talk about it. So what relation has the Jiva with Brahman, with Turiyam? Is Jiva created by Turiyam? No. No more than the pot space is created by the sky. Is Jiva part of the Turiyam? No. No more than the pot space is a part of the... These are big points. Later on all these were used to hammer Dvaita Vedanta and Vishishta Dvaita. Dvaita says God and you are different. You have a relation with God. Vishishta Dvaita says you are a part of God. He says, no, the pot space is not a part of the sky. It is the sky. There is no uh, separating line. One more point. And then I will stop. What you said. But then what is the pot? Where did the pot come from? Where did this body come from? He says the Sanghata. He used the word, you will see. Just as the pot space is an appearance, follow this carefully, just as the pot space is an appearance of the sky because of the pot, it is not really separate from the sky. So is consciousness in the jiva an appearance as being a jiva. It is actually that infinite consciousness thurium. Why is it an appearance? Because of the appearance of body-mind. And he says, just as pot itself is a creation of Akasha. Pot, ghata, he says the pot etc. They are also creations of Akasha. It is nothing other than Akasha. Which makes Akasha seem enclosed. The sky seems enclosed into a pot space because of the creation of the pot. Which is also nothing other than Akasha. You might say the space within a pot is the great space. I can understand that appears to be a delimitation of the great spectacle. But how did the sky create a pot? Not directly, but if you know the Upanishadic uh, cosmology, you will see actually it makes sense. What it says is, Taittiriya Upanishad, 
From that pure consciousness, the sky emerges. Akashadvayu, from the sky, the wind emerges. Vayur Agni, from wind fire. Agnir Apaha, from fire, the waters. Adbhya Prithivi, from waters, the earth. Prithivya Ghataha. No, it's not the Upanishad. From the earth, the pot. <laughs> The part is a modification of the earth. But what basically he wants to say is, even our bodies, what are these bodies? They are five elements. Minds, they are also these five elements, the subtle five elements. Body-mind complex is nothing other than that pure consciousness, Turiyam. Through Maya, it appears as the five elements and combinations of the five elements as this body. Every bit of it is nothing other than Brahman. In reality. Appears to be other than Brahman. It's difficult to swallow. No, you experience it every night. All the persons you see in the dream, the dogs and the cats and the persons and the buildings and cars and trees and the sky, every bit of it is what? Mind. Whose mind? Your mind. Don't look so skeptical. You're doing it every day in the night. Your mind generates people, bodies, minds, uh, sky, earth, water, everything. Yeah, but it's an appearance. Exactly this. The entire universe, that's what Gaudapada is saying. Even body-mind is an appearance through Maya of Turiyam. And because of the appearance of body-mind, Turiyam itself seems to be delimited, cut off within each body-mind. Just as sky seems to be cut off within each pot. Concluding therefore, what he wants to prove, and we'll see, he will go on developing this theme. What he will show is this. Just as space is not space within the pot is not born by the creation of the pot, it only appears to be a pot space, the individual consciousness, jiva, is not created by Turiyam. It is the Turiyam. It's because of body-mind, it appears like that. After the destruction of the pot, it's not that the pot space merges with the sky, becomes one with the sky. After the death of the body, after enlightenment, it's not that your individual consciousness will merge with the cosmic consciousness. Nothing of the sort. You are that Turiyam already. You are, you will. You, uh, you were, you are, and you will be that one. No question of any kind of merger. Yeah, it may seem like that. It may feel like that. Just as it feels I'm separate, you may feel I've become one with it. The truth is, you are already one with it. Three, three elements, see, causal level is called Maya. In Vedanta, see this is uh, what we have discussed earlier. Causal level is called Maya. At the subtle level, the five Sukshma Tanmatra. At the uh, gross level, the five Stula Tanmatra. It is Brahman alone, through Maya, which appears as these five elements. That is just basic Advaitic cosmology. All right. So, at the death of the body, you do not become one with Brahman. You are one with Brahman. No more than the sky within the, the space within the pot becomes one with the sky. Third, the impurities in the pot do not affect the space within the pot. Different pots containing different things, it's not that the space within those different pots is, if, is affected by it. Not at all. So, different bodies and minds with different karma, different activities, 
not at all affected. You, the pure consciousness, is not affected by it. No matter what your body, what your personality, no. Third, uh, fourth, relationship. The spot space has no relationship at all with the sky because it is the sky. It's, if you say relationship, only relationship is identity. It's not produced by the sky. It's not a part of the sky. Similarly, the jiva, it has no relationship with the turiyam. It's not a child of the turiyam. We are all children of God. No. It's not created by the turiyam. God is the creator. No. You are that. You are one with it. If you say any, any relationship at all, identity. No, we are part of it. Not even part of it. That's Vishishtadvaita. Qualified monism. You are that. Always where will you are and you will be. And the last one is, um, is um, um, the relationship. Oh, oh, the earlier I missed one. Features, differences. The last one was relationship. The features or differences. Yeah, but uh, I may be pure consciousness, but also I am a man. I am a monk. I am an Indian. I am um, in uh, uh, New York. And so on. Differenti difference differentiates me Indian, not Chinese or um, uh, Caucasian or African. Or, or I'm a man, not a woman. So these are differentiating factors. The differences are in the parts, in bodies and minds. Consciousness itself is not differentiated at all. It's exactly the same. Just as round part, tall part, short part, fat part, skinny part makes no difference. The space does not become round, tall, short or skinny. Space is exactly the same. Consciousness remains the same. Um, it is Nirguna Chaitanya, pure consciousness. Yes. So this is what, what Gaudapada will be exploring in the uh, classes with, uh, in the next few verses. What he will do, let me give you an outline. He will prove through this example and demonstrating through reasoning that we are this consciousness um, just like space, pot space and sky example he would use that uh, to prove these features which I have just been talking about. He will also prove through reasoning just like the parts are nothing but evolutes of the sky. Similarly, bodies and minds which are creating these differences, which seem to be creating these differences, they are also products of Maya. They are not really different. They are not, they are not really a separate thing. It is the same Turiyam alone which appears as body-mind also. So non-duality is preserved. Having proven this, then he will go on in the next part uh, of the chapter to show that all of this is not his imagination. He will pull in references from the Upanishads. Remember, this is Vedanta. So Vedanta has to be based on the Upanishads. So that he has to show. It's not his, like, um, his fantasy or his, his own, uh, in Sanskrit they call it Kapola Kalpita, imagined by his own, uh, in his own little skull. So he will show that the Upanishads also mean exactly this, what I have said. Yes, I'll come to you. Say the first manifestation was Brahma, who had a disciple, who taught. Mm -hmm. so how does Advaita what Shankaracharya does is in all those places, 
ही विल मेड मेक देम अवांतर वाक्य मुख्य वाक्य अवांतर वाक्य द सेंट्रल टीचिंग इज तत्वसी दैट द वाट अहम ब्रह्मास्मी देर आर टू टू बर्ड्स ऑन अट द डोलिस्टिक विल से दैट येस दैट्स राइट हायर बर्ड इज गॉड एंड लोअर बर्ड इज जीव बट वॉट द अद्वैतिन विल डू इज दीज आर ऑल सेकेंडरी स्टेटमेंट्स स्लोली हेल्पिंग अस टू टेक अस अप स्टेप बाय स्टेप टू अंडरस्टैंड द अल्टीमेट गोल विच इज वननेस so it is not the ultimate reality when you say god created doesn't upanishad speak about the creation of the universe of course it does brahman is the creator the world is the projection of brahman and so on and so forth so all dualistic theories are final are nicely supported by the upanishads but non dualism is the ultimate uh, conclusion of the upanishads right um and not the other way around you can easily argue that there, there are non dualistic statements in the upanishads but dualism is the ultimate goal the dualists will argue that non dualistic statements are just like that make just to make you feel good you are brahman then when you will start practicing finally you will realize that you are not brahman so that is the uh, no it you can't do that because you cannot reconcile non dualism with dualism ultimate dualism and to begin with non dualism cannot be reconciled whereas ultimate non dualism and the beginning dualism on the surface can be reconciled like the pot and space example like the dream and so an appearance of many an underlying unity it's possible uh-huh. a, a, an appearance of unity but there's no appearance of unity it all seems to be fractured right here so that's how they reconcile mukhya vakya avantara vakya that's why. it's a it's a strategy they uh, every commentator uses to their advantage i'll come back to you in in brahma satya jagat mitya jeeva brahma vana par the jagat is the body mind complex and the universe entire universe yes see what is use the mandukya language brahma satyam jagat mitya jeeva brahmai vana par what is jagat here waker's world dream world and the potential world hmm? the jagrat prapancha swapna prapancha and susupti the karana prapancha स्थूल प्रपंच सूक्ष्म प्रपंच कारण प्रपंच दैट इज जगत वर्ल्ड जगत मिथ्या दिस इज एन अपियरेंस ऑल राइट जीव वॉट इज जीव इन मांडुक्य लैंग्वेज वेकर ड्रीमर डीप स्लीपर विश्व तेजस प्राज्ञा जीव ब्रह्म पर दिस जीव इज एक्चुअली नन अदर देन तुरियम दिस इज इन मांडुक्य लैंग्वेज लास्ट यस good <laughs> take it slow you are telling that ghatta in that whatever space is this we call it ghatta akash hmm. similarly you are saying that suryam hmm. suryam also you are comparing with human beings consciousness is there in every human being hmm. so everything is same so akash suppose ghat is broken it is mixing into akash but it is not it is not mixing it seems to be it is it is you know one one and same yes but ghat suppose it is round and we can measure it with the pi r square whatever area is there we Correct. can measure that room we can measure it yes but can we measure uh, surya why do you know no we cannot no every human being is having that yes so how what exactly it is made up of 
Okay, take it slow. <coughs> what do you think it is made up of? It is the energy. Is energy something that is experienced? You tell me. Yeah. You tell me. Is, do you experience energy? Do you experience it? When you feel energetic, when you see electrical energy, you experience it? So where is energy? Here? In your waker's world? Maybe in your dream world also? Not in the deep sleep world. So what is not, in deep sleep world you cannot exp experience anything, any particular, particular thing. So energy is an object in the world, it's, it's not thurium. Other candidates, tell me, what other candidates are there? Apart from that, I cannot <coughs> make out that thurium is what exactly it is. Mm. Consciousness we say, but what it is. Don't try to say anything, hmm? try to notice it. Just as you notice this pen, follow this carefully now, notice this pen, are you seeing it? Is it something theoretical for you? Yes, you can see it, you are seeing it, right? You are seeing it with eyes, if you close your eyes you can't see it, if you open your eyes you can see it. So eyes are the instrument. Now are you aware of the eyes, you are aware of the pen with the eyes, are you aware of your own eyes? You are not aware of your eyes, open, you are not aware of your eyes? We you? See with the eyes. you can see with the eyes. Yeah. I'm not saying that we can see, I'm not asking you whether you can see the eyes. I'm asking are you aware of the eye? When you open your eyes are you aware? Yeah. If you cannot see clearly you need glasses. Are you aware that I need glasses? So you are aware of the conditions of the eyes. Right? You are aware of the eyes. You are aware of the eyes with what? You can see the pen with the eyes. You are aware of the pen with the eyes. You are aware of the eyes with what? With what? What thought? Oh, my eyes are open now. Oh, I am thinking my eyes are closed. What is that one? Mind. You can call it consciousness, but then it's changing. Right? Sometimes it thinks eyes are open. Sometimes it thinks eyes are closed. Sometimes it thinks, what is he talking about? Sometimes it thinks, it's, I am confused. Sometimes it thinks, I understand. So that is called mind. Thoughts, ideas, memories. But these thoughts, memories, ideas, are you aware of them? When you feel, I am happy, are you aware? You are not aware when you feel happy? It's, it's a feeling, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, when it's a feeling, are, are you feeling it or not? If it's a feeling, you are definitely feeling it. You must be aware of it. Yes. Otherwise, why do you complain that I am so unhappy, I am depressed? Or why do, you, why do you express your joy? I am so happy. So you are aware of it. That one which is aware of happiness, when you are aware of happiness, and you are also sometimes aware of depression, the one which is aware of happiness, the one which is aware of depression, are they the same one or different ones? Same, same one. What is that one? Notice it. What is that one? It's not a pen. It's not the eyes. It's not a thought in the mind. It's something behind the thought. Notice it. That is consciousness. After that, when that idea becomes a little more clear, then you come back here and you will see. Yes. Um, last Sunday you spoke about uh, uh, Swamiji who was in the Himalayas and he said he became aware that he was the witness of the mind. Yes, that was Swami Saradanandaji, yeah. I think. Correct. Correct. So, so 
than mine, but the witness, if he is a witness, a witness doesn't the witness have an object, something? He yes, witnesses? certainly. So, but then the witness. Um, I know what you're going to ask, but ask it. Yes. So are you saying that a witness must have an object? Yeah. So there are two things, the subject and object, yeah. right? Yeah. Good. It's very good. The witness which is witnessing the mind. So there are two things. Is this your question? That there is a witness and the mind? So isn't it duality? Yes. Aren't they separate? To witness something you must be separate? Mm -hmm. So isn't, is that what you're asking? Yes. So the, you're asking, isn't there duality? Isn't there separation? And not only that, witnessing seems to be an action. It's performing an action. Yeah. All these questions you're asking, yeah. right? Now consider the question. Up to this, you're right. There's a witness and its object, subject and object. Now ask the question, what is the relationship between subject and object? Are they separate things? Are they the same? You say, how can the subject and object be the same? But it can be the same. Th think about the objects you saw in your dream. They seem to be separate. But when you wake up, you realize it was all in your mind. They are objects, but in your mind, not outside. Right? Now, those objects, are they separate from the witnessing consciousness? Is the mind separate from consciousness? Or is it an appearance in consciousness? It seems to be separate. The, the moment you name them, they get separated. Uh -huh. But good, good question. But do they really get separated or do they seem to be separated? Because of language. They, of language, they seem to fall out. They seem to fall out. Very good. They seem to fall out, but they don't actually fall out. Yeah. How will you know two things are separate? How will you know two things are separate? Here is a test. If you can experience each thing separately from the other, then you know two things are separate. The classic example is, you know, there's a man, an uh, old man comes and has a nice toothy grin and you think that are they real teeth or are they dentures? You cannot know as long as you don't see them separately. If you suddenly go to his apartment and you knock and he opens the door and gives you this toothless grin and you see the denture sitting in a little solution there in, the, in a little bowl, then you realize, oh, they are two separate entities. They are not part of his mouth. So you must see them separately. The cap and the pen, are they separate? You see, if I can pull them apart, yeah, they are separate. They are connected now, but they are actually two different entities. Here is a cap, here is a pen. Now apply it to mind and consciousness. You see the mind in consciousness. Clearly, you are aware of thoughts, feelings, ideas, emotions, the person, mm -hmm. huh, memories. Yeah. And they are, where are you aware? In your awareness, in consciousness. So you are aware of the mind in consciousness. Is it ever possible? Okay. And there is, the consciousness can be there without the mind also. Deep sleep. Or deep meditation. When the mind stops for a while. Or just moments, gaps between thoughts. Mm -hmm. So you can have experience of the presence of the mind. And <coughs> absence of the mind. You can logically talk about the absence of the mind, that mind has stopped in meditation, sleep and so on and so forth. 
If you can talk about it, that means there was consciousness but no mind. Yogis can talk about it. It's possible. So you can experience consciousness without mind. You can experience consciousness with mind. But can you ever experience the mind without consciousness? Like this separately? Obviously not. The very word experience includes consciousness. You cannot have any experience without consciousness. Therefore, the logic is this. If an item X cannot be experienced without another item A, then that X is not a separate entity apart from A. You have no right to speak of it as an independent entity apart from A. You can never experience a mind apart from consciousness. So the mind is in consciousness, is an appearance in consciousness, does not have a separate existence of its own. Yeah. I, I feel I can't take another step back and kind of, yeah. It's, that's, yeah. You cannot take another step back. Yeah, because yeah. you are that one. If you retreat from that position, you are into yourself. There's nothing more beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Exactly. From that position, you will see mind, body and the world experienced in the body. They are all experienced in that. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine. With your eyes open, you can see all this. Right? You are there. Your mind is there. You the consciousness. Your mind is there. Eyes are there and the world is experienced. If you close your eyes, the world is not seen. But is the mind there? So yes, my eyes are closed, I cannot see the world. The mind, that's the mind. Yeah. I, the consciousness, am I there? Yes, certainly. Now suppose the mind falls silent. Yeah. World is not seen, eyes are closed, mind falls silent. I, the consciousness, am there. I'm just reporting, I'm just seeing a blankness. Opposite. Suppose world is there, eyes are open, mind is functioning, but you, the consciousness, somehow is switched off. What will remain? Nothing. Nothing. It's inconceivable. But suppose, logically, if you construct a thought experiment like that, the world is blanked out for you. The universe, everything disappears. That is the reality in which everything appears. Gaudapada takes the counterintuitive, radical step of reducing all of this back into that. What you are saying there is this one. The more you appreciate its non-causal nature, its unchanging nature, its non-dual nature, the more closer you are to realizing your liberation, moksha. Did you just say that the consciousness also has to, be, has to go? No. no. No, consciousness does not have to go. Nothing has to go. All of them can remain. But you have to realize that this is the only one in which all of these are appearing and disappearing. When they appear, you are not increased thereby. When they disappear, you are not decreased thereby. You are one and the same. They are not separate existences apart from you. Imagine a vast pool in which, I saw that in Canada, in Loon Lake. You can see the sky and the hill and the uh, forests. But sky, hill and forests are not there in the lake. When they are there, they appear in the lake. Without the lake, they cannot appear. When they disappear, it's the same lake. The lake is the reality. In which appears all of this. I, I, I know now what I misunderstood. The content. Yes. Go. So the, mm. the, uh, con, uh, consciousness can be without. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mind and world are contents. And the consciousness can be without content. And those contents are not different from consciousness. They are not things like sugar which has been added into milk. 
sugar is something from outside which has been added into milk. No. They are the consciousness itself. It is the magical property of the consciousness. Call it Maya or whatever. It can appear in so many forms. It can experience itself in so many names and forms. They have no ontologically separate existence to use a philosophical term. Quickly, the questions. Yes. Okay, so I'm consciousness in a self-driving vehicle experiencing a virtual reality in a transactional reality, right? Now, as a non-dualist, how do you then perform karma yoga? And the question is this. As a non-dualist, there's no devotion. So what sort of characteristics do you then... As a non-dualist, there is no? There is no, what was the word you used? Devotion. No, devotion. It's not required. If you have realized non-dualist, your, your non, non-dual nature, then? Then your question is, how do you do karma yoga? Correct. Why would you want to do karma yoga? Well, because the, the pepper is still hot. The what? The pepper is still hot. If I take a bite, I'm still in the transactional world, right? If you are a non-dualist, if you have realized your nature is sturium, and you take a bite and you experience the pepper as hot, what is your problem? You are Brahman. It has not done anything to you. Fine. But in this transactional reality... And this transactional reality is nothing to you. It's, it's an appearance in you. True. I'm just, all I'm trying to, to think about is how am I supposed to act in terms of karma yoga. Right? I'm not doing things for love of God because I'm non-dualist. Yeah. So then... If you are... Stop there. If you are non-dualist, nothing prevents you from doing things for the love of God. Or remember, let me repeat this. I'll repeat it three times. I'll say it and repeat it twice. The first verse means love of God or devotion is not the ultimate goal according to Gaurapada. The ultimate goal is non-dualism. The love of God, devotion is very useful. So what you said, as a non-dualist, I have no love of God or devotion. Wrong. As a non-dualist, you can practice love of God and devotion. We do it here. But that should not be seen as a separate God whom I will attain after death or something like that, that should not be seen as the ultimate worldview. That's what Gaurapada is saying. He's not condemning worship. He's condemning those who are stuck in that mode. And there's nothing more beyond that. Understood. But if you pass that level... Or if that you pass that level, this question does not arise anymore. <laughs> Alright, let me give you a direct answer to that. Gita, fourth chapter. The instrument is Brahman, the offering is Brahman, the one who offers is Brahman, that which you offer unto is Brahman, the one who sees Brahman in every action attains Brahman. That is Karma Yoga for the, for the non-dualist. Right. And that is the same as it applies to us. Right. And so with that, that is the same as the Buddhist concept of emptiness. Right. Absolutely. One Buddhist Lama explained to me, the shunyata, which you practice, the emptiness, if you analyze it into constituent parts, you will see there is no entity called the pen apart from its parts. So yeah, okay, but the parts are there, right? This is there. This is a part and this is a part. They are there. But if you analyze this, this also breaks down into smaller and smaller parts without end. 
So the pen is an empty entity. There is no entity called a pen. What is the entity called a fist? Where is the fist? So, no, but you arrange the fingers. The fingers are there. But if you analyze the fingers, are there also like that? So uh, they are, things are empty in, in themselves. This is called um, dharma shunyata. The the objects of the world are empty in themselves. This is Madhyamaka Buddhism. Now, one Lama explained to me when you this is this is just a practice. The real thing is to apply it upon oneself. And start with the body, the sensations, the mind, the you know the punch, five skandhas, the five pillars of being the self, and see that the empty of the emptiness of the empirical self. This is the place where Advaita and the Buddhist doctrine of no self meet. Actually, they are not opposed. If you understand them deeply, they are basically saying the same thing. What the Buddhist calls no self, Advaita calls the jiva. This is what Gaudapada has been arguing all along. There is no jiva which is born. The Buddhist says the jiva is an emptiness. There is no jiva as such. Exactly the same thing. This is where they meet actually. Quickly, let's hear the questions. Uh, yes, you first and then we will go on because we have run out of time. Maya is at a cosmic level. That's uh, technically Maya is at a cosmic level. Avidya is what we experience ourselves. In your Drik Drishya Vivek lecture, so you mentioned that we have, uh, you mentioned the bucket concept that we are, we are given this bucket and the water in this is all the same. Mm -hmm. So you also mentioned that the Indian spiritual doctrine is uh, ways for us to enjoy the current bucket we are in. Mm -hmm. So uh, what kind of can we use to enhance the three first three parts of the mind, like the buddhi, ahankara, manas? Oh, okay. That's a different question altogether. So, here we are talking about akarpanyam vakshami. Look at the project. We are talking about the, the end things, the ultimate questions, the infinite. How can I build up my body and reduce body mass and uh, whether gluten-free is better than gluten diet and all. These are good. I know you're not asking that. You're asking a subtler question. But it falls in the same category. How can I refine my what are called upadhis in, in Vedanta? Body-mind. How can I make the pot a better pot? You can. But Gaurapad is not interested. Are there technologies for that? Of course. Ayurveda will tell you something. Yoga will tell you something, Bhakti will tell you something, Dharma will tell you something. And there are these entire philosophies which help you to live a much better life in this world. And you can employ them. In, you can employ modern positive psychology. Um, Seligman talks about it. In order to increase our happiness, he says the components of happiness. Pleasure is a component of happiness. How can you increase pleasure? Is modern psychology can actually talk about how uh, our senses can be enhanced by paying more attention, seeing, tasting, slowing down and savoring every experience. Actually, you get more pleasure out of the simplest of experiences. People rush through it, especially in New York. They'll order a meal and pay um, hundreds of dollars for it and rush through it because they have no time. Uh, and what is the happiness there? Very little. It's just an excitement, gone, finished, move on. Next thing. So it's savor it. A simple bowl of soup savored over 20 minutes before it gets cold. <laughs> it, it, it can give much more pleasure than this. 
So, how to enhance the pleasures of the senses? Seligman talks about it. Then go further. How to enhance the pleasures of the mind? Study, appreciation of art, concentration, focus. Whole psychology has been built up in it. Go further. Seligman says, more pleasure comes out, more joy comes out of meaningful life. How to get a more meaningful life? For example, where you involve other people, where you do something where, which benefits other people, where you are sacrificing the little self into the vaster, that actually makes the little self much happier. And you can see here why that is so. That is akarpanyam, that is, kripana means limited, the miserly. The non-miserly one is much happier. So yes, there are vast technologies dealing with that. I mean, that's a subject for many, many lectures. And worthwhile, worthwhile, really. How you can enhance happiness in this life. What Gaudapada says, ultimately none of them are of any use because they are within causality, within change and within duality. They will all lead to unhappiness in the end. In the end, you will be left with ashes. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. Always. Except when you realize the true nature of yourself. Then you turn back upon the world and apply these things. Use causality and change and duality to your advantage. You will have the perfect life. Alright, it's a good thing to end the discussion on. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanam Vastu